are in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. At 106 on this Halloween, good afternoon. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, this portion of our program on this Halloween, Monday, is brought by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Whether it's lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge, they'll have a spooky display going on tonight. Maybe you're on 146 right now. You could pop over to the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, for a delicious meal tonight. Be very festive, and on top of that, it's uh, Monday Night Football. The Lo- Oh, and it's also the World Series, the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Well, folks, let's bring you up to speed on some of the news of the day. So the election is now one week, one week from tomorrow is the election. So this is the final week of the campaign. And by all accounts, these are some of the headlines uh, right now. Supreme Court, feds can force masks on planes and trains. Let's see. iPhone factory workers walk 25 miles to escape COVID lockdowns in China. Facebook monopoly imploding before our eyes. Um, Gasoline prices rising again as big oil profits soar. Well, I also want to remind people, those that want to go after big oil, how much did they make when everything shut down during the pandemic? When no one was driving? When everyone had to stay home, how much did they make? Not a lot. That is the new line of attack. Biden spotlights gouging. I had someone say to me, they think Seth Magaziner is going to win because the oil companies. Uh, how much did they? How much did they make during that? I don't think you can. You can't have it both ways. Now, CBS News is reporting Republicans are set to take the House without question. Senate dead heat. Uh, Nevada, the Nevada race is very too close to call. We're broken. Suburbs of Los Angeles, voters feel fed up and afraid. Americans unsure about God are fast-growing force in politics. Hmm. QAnon Dem. Fierce warfare erupts in deep blue California. Poll workers trained for conflict. You know, those people are just embarrassing. I mean, there are some of them locally, and I, I, I just, I want to remind people that Mike Lindell, Mike Lindell said that last August that, that President Trump that he would be back in the in the White House by last August of 21. Did that happen? So, and, and these people that are, are questioning a number of the poll workers. <clears throat> um, I, I don't. A, a lot of these people, it's here's a problem that we have run into, folks, and hear me out. And that is the fact that people watch that film, 2,000 Mules. Now, Dinesh, who I've met, who's, who made that film, he's being sued right now. The, some of the people locally, there are people that all they do is watch and listen to a lot of the local stuff. Excuse me, the national stuff. And then they try to apply it locally. And it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't come to play. But let me also remind people regards to the voting, because there's a lot of articles now what these campaign workers are going through, and they're trying to blame everything on, on the Republicans. But there's never been in-depth people investigating, reporters investigating how Nellie Gorbea, Secretary of State, has manipulated the the voter rolls in Rhode Island. So that's a big part of it. Listen, look at this Channel 10 uh, headline. Liberal Rhode Island could send Republican to U.S. House. 
The fact of the matter is, folks, as many of you know, when you remove Providence, Pawtucket, Central Falls, the rest of the state is very different. I, I take exception to this business. We're a big liberal state. It's, it's the voting, concentration of voting that goes on in those three places. And one of the problems in the state is it's the politics of Providence that dictate how the rest of the state operates. And to our detriment, by the way, we're not better because of that. So the, the, the part, I think, one of the, the problems is the fact that that they that so much of the Democrat message and policies, it's all geared towards that it will be popular in Providence, Pawtucket, and Central Falls. You know, I put out the latest lie about January 6th. Five Capitol Police officers were killed that day. Magazina is using that as campaign commercial. Folks, that is an absolute lie. Complete lie. Not true. But it's allowed. Absolutely allowed. Now, Mayor Fung, he is still running a very, very strong campaign. And the Kalis campaign, they have a week left. I think it's too soon for Ashley Kalis to be making her closing argument. I believe, because I think there's still arguments to be made. Closing argument is, okay, that's it. I'm done. I've made my argument. Now vote for me. I don't, I don't think we're there yet. All right. I want to get to some of the sound we have, because there's a lot of it, folks. Right now at 1.13 on this Monday, let's start off with, this was um, big yesterday, that it was on ABC's This Week. Listen to Governor Chris Christie talking about what's going on. In Oregon and Rhode Island. Uh, we're going to win a House seat in Rhode Island for the first time in 40 years with Alan Fung. Lori Chavez de Remmer can win a House seat in Oregon. I mean, you know, that's not place Pretty that we're in. I'm trying to think, is that accurate? Um, I don't think that's accurate. Let's see, the last time Rhode Island won a congressional seat was 92. Makeley was 90 and 92. So 2002, 12, it's really 30 years. Now, the last time in that district, you'd have to go back to 1988 in that district. But with Claudine Schneider. But it, so that is true. Um, folks, all, you, all we can hope for is Mayor Fung, he's got the momentum. They have one more debate. They have the Channel 10 debate. On this Thursday, this Thursday afternoon. So we have to hope. But but things are nationally, things are so shifting towards the Republicans. And it's also a shame in Massachusetts that I I, I don't know, Jeff Deal, I'm not I just I'm I'm not sure on the tactics the in the, the campaign themes. I I I like Jeff. If I lived in Mass, I would vote for Jeff Deal. But I, I don't, well, listen, I, I don't think they're running the right type of campaign to be successful in Massachusetts. That's, it's a, that's what it's about, is about winning. So you run the type of campaign that you're going to win. Let's see, about half of Americans say either the economy or inflation is the most important issue. I agree. But if you're not, if you're not getting there, you need to, cut in in some other ways. I don't think it, you have to look at what's working, what's not working. I'm not sure that Ashley Kalis has made enough of an argument that under Governor McKee, things are more expensive. And I, I really don't think they've made the argument that the building and the cost of doing things in the state is so much more dangerous, um, so much more expensive, excuse me then if we could cut down on just the cost of government, cost of government. So I want to get to some of the sound yesterday. Senator Rick Scott condemned the assault on Nancy Pelosi's husband. I mean, I, I think everyone kind of did. I mean, you don't have, 
You don't have an 82-year-old man getting beaten with a hammer. I know some of you want to joke about that. But regardless of how that happened, I freely admit the story doesn't make sense. I'm just not ready. To, I'm just not going to joke about it. Let me hear. This is Chris Christie from yesterday on ABC's This Week. Here we go. And I'm convinced he's running in 24. He's making the rounds in battleground states, going to Pennsylvania, Florida, Ohio, but not Georgia very early before the primaries. And he's not rallying for Governor DeSantos to be reelected in Florida. What's going on here? Well, this is this is shocking. Donald Trump is acting in his own self-interest as opposed to acting in the interest of the party. Um, again, this is what I've been talking about for months now. The Republicans are going to have to make a fundamental judgment after November 8th. Are we the party of me or are we the party of us? And Donald Trump represents the party of me. Now, you know, when you see how he's making those choices, you understand that it's all about him. If you said nice things about him, if you agree that the election was stolen, he'll campaign for you. If you don't, he won't. I was with Joe O'Day, the Senate candidate in Colorado who you interviewed. He eviscerates Joe O'Day because he said Joe Biden is the legitimate president, uh, despite the fact that Joe O'Day agrees on issues with Donald Trump predominantly. So this is not about issues. Once again, it's about person and it's about Donald Trump and his own selfish desire um, to want his own point of view of the world, especially about the 2020 election, reaffirmed. And if you don't reaffirm it, which Ron DeSantis hasn't, interestingly, you know, that's why he's not in Florida with Ron DeSantis. Now, I also want to mention, folks, that this business, because people ask me, do I think Biden won the election? Um, As I have said in the past, I don't There's problems with Rhode Island elections. There's problems with people that are voting. There's no checks and balances on the voter rolls. That that is is going to remain that way until the party does something about it or someone gets into office and does something about it. But there are people that are uh, are registered to vote more than once. There are people who are not citizens that are voting. So this business that you have to say Biden won the election. Otherwise, you're an election denier. I don't I don't adhere to that because I, I think there's different ways to interpret that. It is interesting right now that President Trump is not campaigning for Governor DeSantis. So there, there's definitely there, there, there's a rift. It has to do with 24. It has to do with 24 that President Trump doesn't like that DeSantis is going to run and they're both running. And I again, I've heard the people that say, well, they should work together or someone said, you know, DeSantis has to wait his turn. It's it's not happening. Those two camps don't get along. Um, DeSantis is running. Let me hear this other piece about. Speaker Pelosi, uh, Paul Pelosi, and um, happening right now, Martha. Here we go. What about the rhetoric? Well, you know, it's got to calm down. It's got to slow down. But the other ramification of what's happening right now, Martha, is who's going to step up to run? Who's going to say, I'm going to subject my family to this kind of scrutiny and this kind of danger? And so we're not only affecting the lives of people today, we're affecting what's going to happen in the future in terms of recruiting great people to serve our country. And so it needs to calm down. We need to have a bipartisan commitment to cooling the rhetoric, stopping the language, calling out bad language when people like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene um, uh, say what she she says, and, and we need people to understand that that this is about policy. This isn't a civil war. And, and the closer we get to not containing this, the closer we get to um, continuing arms insurrection in this country. You know, but they, they're not calling out the fact that it's it's going on both sides. And, you know, folks. At, at 121, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. With all, every time someone discusses January 6th, I want to remind people what happened. And I'm going to play it. You know, Chris Sununu, 
was on Meet the Press yesterday. He made a very, very good point because they, they just want to push one narrative that it's like the Republicans. When the country, what the country witnessed the summer of 2020 with all the riots and protests with no accountability, it, let, me, let me play. I, it, to me, it comes down to that this was Chris Sununa was on Meet the Press yesterday, and they're, they're talking about the outdoor inauguration. And uh, at the start of 2021, it was the day after the January 6th attack. You talked about direct threats against your family. I think it was the co- your COVID policies that seemed to fire up some people to do these threats. Look, you've had to deal with this. Where do you think these, this rise in uh, political violence is coming from? Well, look, you can go back to the beginning. This started back in the summer of 2020, right? When, when you saw cities burning, you saw not a, lot of, a whole lot of accountability there. The line for folks that were disagreeing with what might have been happening, not happy with what's happening in their communities, the line completely moved with very little accountability. And that set kind of a new standard in, the, in, the, in a very dangerous way. And then that carries over into the politics and what, what happened in 2020, the insanity of uh, what we saw in January 6th. Uh, what has happened to Steve Scalise, that was years before uh, 2020. The threats on uh, Justice Kavanaugh. So, um, no, Gabby Giffords, I mean, there's, there doesn't seem to be an end to this. It's on both sides of the aisle. But, look, people have to just take the, take the heat down here. I mean, this is America. This is one of the most amazing places on, on the planet Earth. We should all wake up and be grateful. We can disagree and have heated arguments, of course. But when you cross that line into violence, uh, it does your cause no good. It does the system no good. Uh, and it just brings everything to a more fragile state. You, do you not see any connection to former President Donald Trump? in all of this? Oh, there's connection to everybody in, in all of this. No, absolutely. Look, it's not its not just about former President Trump. It's about, I mean, people are getting upset about inflation. They're getting upset with, you know, issues that happen on, on what we would consider a very minor level. But to them, it's passionate. It's the end. It's just the end of days for them. And they're going to go to that nth degree. And it, it's just absolutely insane. It is. And again, the answer isn't just, well, we're just going to have more security. Of course, you're going to have to do that at some level. But the answer as a, as a society, as a community, it's not a government solution. It's a cultural solution here in America, and we all, all 300 million of us, have to take a very d- deep responsibility towards that. Well, I want to drill- You know, he is, um, I like Chris Sununu a lot. Again, folks, good afternoon. That was yesterday on Meet the Press. You know, no one wants to talk about that. When I say no one, I mean a lot of the, the media, both nationally and locally, they don't like to address the fact that that the, 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 and he is exactly right. The summer of 2020, that changed everything. One thing President Trump showed was an aggressive nature to deal with the Democrat Party. And for that, folks, and I want to, right now at 124, you're listening to the John DePietro show on AM 1380 and 99.9 See, I agree, and that's one of the reasons I liked and still support President Trump, is the fact that it was always one way. The Republican Party was that of John McCain and Link Chafee and Mitt Romney. And and it's this attitude of they do that, but we don't. And you lose gracefully and blah, blah, blah. And Trump stepped up and said, the hell with losing gracefully. We're going to fight these people. Because they do. They lie. Look at locally. The Seth Magaziner campaign is insulting and a joke. He called members of Rhode Island pro-life extreme, what did he call them? Um, Activists, extreme activists, dangerous extreme activists. Elderly women who are members of Rhode Island pro-life. It's so insulting to the core. And it's just... But they, they're never called out on it. So so people that don't understand the appeal, there's a number of people that have entered the Republican Party that they might have been Democrats, but they don't want to be part of the David Cicilline Democrat Party. They don't want to be part of the T.R. Mac Democrat Party. They don't want to be part of the Black Lives Matter progressive AOC, Bernie Sanders. They don't want to be part of that. So they have come under the umbrella of the Republican Party. But the person that brought them in, that they were attracted to, who they support, was in fact 
President Trump. Donald Trump, Trump the candidate. And it really came into fruition. Trump really started to burst onto the scene. I remember I had on big Democrat, Jerry Zarella. Big, big Democrat. And hosted President Clinton on Block Island. And Jerry Zarella said, the Democrat Party has become the party of the worker to the party of the taker. It's take, take, take. All they want to do is freebies and take. Dan McKee is the party of Tierra Mac. The, the twerking senator, period. All these people, and, and as much as people talk about that some of the Trump people in QAnon, the cult, you know what they don't talk about is the union cult. Solidarity, union brothers and sisters, that is a real cult. Teamsters, laborers, teachers union, they're the real cult members. They're the ones that go to battle. Not a group of people that believe in preserving what made the country great. Folks, this portion of our program, it's John DePietro on this Monday, Halloween, is brought to you by Propane Plus, heating and cooling. Call them today, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. For Propane Plus, three generations, they're available 24-7 for service and delivery. They're going to keep serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and all customers receive a free safety inspection. For all your propane needs, contact Propane Plus online at propaneplus.com. Very user-friendly website. You just type in your zip code, residential or commercial. You can depend on Propane Plus. Or you can call them. They're based in Rehoboth, 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, 401-885-4209 for Propane Plus. Folks, good afternoon. Right now it's 127, and you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I want to play a little more of uh, Chris Anunu yesterday on Meet the Press. Senate has been an election denialist. Here's what you said about him during the primary season. I don't think him as a serious candidate. I don't think most people do. Kind of a conspiracy theorist type, type candidate. And I say that because he did a debate this week where he talked about an election conspiracy. Let me play it for you, Governor. To make sure that school buses loaded with people at the polls don't come in and vote. Just to be clear, you're saying you're claiming that buses full of voters who are not permitted to vote here, you're claiming that that happens in New Hampshire? I am claiming that that is what Granite Staters tell me. And I'm saying we need to respond to that. You need to verify that information before you I think we need to verify it. That's what I just said. Can you can you listen to me here for a second? I am saying that this is what Granite Staters are telling me, and I think it's valid. I, you're supporting him because you say you're supporting the Republican ticket. You know, Liz Cheney was on the show last week, and she thinks supporting election deniers is as, almost as bad as being an election denier. How do you respond to her? Well, look, I, I think you should have Chuck Schumer on this show because Chuck Schumer put money behind General Bullock's campaign in the primary. Right? You have Democrats that put money behind his campaign in the primary, and they did so with other conservative candidates around the country. You want to talk about a threat to democracy? I think you should get the Democrats on here that tried to manipulate uh, the process through, through the Republican primary. Now, Don and I didn't, didn't see eye to eye during the, during the primary. That much is, is obvious. Um, but again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support the Republican ticket because the issues that folks are voting on are inflation gas prices, uh, heating oil, which is skyrocketing here in New Hampshire and causing a, a major concern, electricity rates. These are all driven by really bad policies out of Washington, and folks just want to change. You cannot change Washington if you keep sending the same people back. And so, again, I know a lot of folks want to talk about this issue or that issue, and I might disagree vehemently with, with even folks in my own party on that stuff. But at the end of the day, November, the, the, the November election is going to be all about what is affecting low- and middle-income families the most, the horrible uh, policies of inflation, and folks just want to send somebody different back to Washington, fix things up, change things a little bit, and actually get some accountability. Well, Governor, I'm excited. 
you know, and, and this business of, you know, you can't, you know, go along with this person because of blah, blah, blah. I, I don't I don't agree with that. I think he he um, I think he actually uh, defended that pretty well. Listen to this, folks. The MSNBC guests say Republicans condemn it as if they're working with a template. Well, where have we heard that before? But I want to play the, the latest now on the Paul Pelosi attack. Because how it's being depicted in there, there has been conflicting information on exactly what happened there. So it's, it's not as if um, they, they, they've been all over the, from, from saying that there were a third person in the house. I mean, there has not been consistent information regarding what happened to him, period. So I want to play. um, This is uh, Good Morning America. Prosecutors expected to announce multiple charges against the man who violently assaulted Paul Pelosi with a hammer. Pelosi now in the hospital recovering from surgery. And Mola Lenghi is in San Francisco with latest Good Morning Mola. Good morning, George. Speaker Pelosi saying that her husband's condition continues to improve. She issued a statement saying that her family is heartbroken and traumatized by the life-threatening attack. This as authorities continue to investigate the suspect who is expected to be formally charged today. This morning, multiple felony charges expected against the suspect who police say violently attacked House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband in their home Friday. This was a targeted um, act on the Pelosi home, for sure. Law enforcement officials now telling ABC News the suspect had zip ties and duct tape with him when breaking into the Pelosi's home, calling out, where's Nancy? And while no specific motive has been identified, the circumstances are eerily similar to the January 6th attack, some bringing zip ties into the Capitol, attempting to find officials and take them hostage. Pelosi, one of the targets that day and Friday, the suspect searching for the House Speaker, who was not home in California. RP stated that there's a male in the home. RP stated that he doesn't know who the male is. The San Francisco District Attorney telling ABC News the suspect, David DePap, broke in through a back door around 2 a.m. Friday. Unable to find the speaker, the suspect allegedly turned his focus to her 82-year-old husband. He was able to step away from the suspect for a period of time in order to place that call. Paul Pelosi able to secretly call 911, keeping the line open so the operator could overhear them speaking. I truly believe, based on what I know, that it was life-saving. Police responding quickly, walking in just as the attack unfolded. Authorities say Paul Pelosi and the suspect both pulling on a hammer. The suspect able to wrestle it away from Pelosi and attack him with it. Paul Pelosi struck at least twice, fracturing his skull before the suspect finally taken into custody. The suspect's alleged social media pages show multiple false conspiracy theories relating to COVID-19, the 2020 election, and the federal government. Elon Musk, the new owner of Twitter, weighing in on the Pelosi attack, retweeting an article from a website known for publishing uh, false news, in this case about Paul Pelosi. In his retweet, which was later deleted, uh, Musk suggested that this baseless article from the website, Eva, might be true. Notice they don't say what it was. It was that it was it was a gay situation where he took picked up a guy and then they ran into trouble. Let me also let's hear this, folks. Uh, reports on security concerns. Terrible attack in perspective for us. It's part of a bigger picture. Eva, good morning. This is an incredibly toxic moment that has been building for years and only getting worse. Threats against members of Congress have more than doubled since 2017. Last year, there were nearly 10,000 threats against Congress. That's just a stunning number. And threats against federal judges have been surging as well, tripling in that same time frame. And this morning, FBI and Homeland Security officials are out with a new bulletin as we head down the stretch to the midterms. The bulletin says right now there's a heightened threat from radicalized individuals 
who may target voters, candidates, and election workers leading up to the midterms. This potential threat is largely being fueled by hot-button issues that divide the nation and the lie that there has been widespread election fraud. And we all know that the election lie was stoked in the 2020 presidential campaign and on January 6th. No specific plot has been identified for the midterms, but the Pelosi incident shows why U.S. law enforcement is so concerned, Robin. <laughs> all right, Pierre. And I'm I don't know, but they still... Of course, a midterm election. But I, I, I don't know. It's like they want to continue. Now, folks, let's go to Georgia. This is a heated race right now for governor of Georgia. For governor met in their final high-stakes debate. Steve Osinsami is there in Atlanta for us. Good morning, Steve. Good morning to you, Robin. Both candidates knew very well that they were likely speaking to voters who would cast their votes today. Early voting here in Georgia ends in most places at the end of the week. In Georgia, this was their last debate before Election Day. The sitting Republican Governor Brian Kemp and his very famous Democratic challenger, Stacey Abrams. Under Brian Kemp's four years in governor, crime has gone up. Six hospitals have closed. Housing prices are skyrocketing. Ms. Abrams attacking my record because she doesn't want to talk about her own. I've not been in office for the last four years. This debate, they were deep in the issues that divide them. How to fix inflation, concerns over crime and access to abortion. According to every poll, Abrams is behind and has been so since the summer. And she tried to paint a poor picture of Georgia's economy. People are feeling economic pain. And unfortunately, under this governor, the pain is only getting worse. But this is a governor who's sitting on a record government surplus and is even credited by some of his critics for saving small businesses when he reopened the state early during COVID lockdowns. Americans are hurting right now because of a disastrous policy agenda by Joe Biden and the Democrats. Democrats everywhere are hoping the issue of abortion will improve their turnout and help decide some of these midterm elections in their favor. We have a governor who does not believe in a woman's right to choose. In Georgia Sunday night, Brian Kemp dismissed claims that if he wins, he will lay down tougher anti-abortion laws. It's not my desire to go move the needle any further uh, on this issue. But the heat turned up even more over voting rights. We have laws in our state that makes it easy to vote and hard to cheat. Ms. Abrams has spent the last two years, really the last 10 years, running around telling you that's not the case. Republicans say it can't be more difficult to vote if there's already record voting, more than 1.6 million people. Democrats say this is more people trying harder to overcome the new laws. The voter suppression that I'm talking about is being felt by Georgians every single day. Election officials expect the total vote in the end to be greater than the 4 million votes cast during the midterms four years ago, but less than the 5 million votes cast during the presidential election in 2020. George Stevens. Now, again, that the whole situation with Georgia, that is. um, Well, let me hear one more one more piece, folks. This is um, what voters are focusing on, which is the economy inflation. important issue to them this election day. Take a look, the economy and inflation topping the list. When you add these two numbers together, you get 50% of registered voters who say the economy and inflation is the most important. And this is exactly why we are seeing Republicans really zero in on this issue in the final stretch, especially in critical states like Nevada and in Arizona, where the state's inflation rate there is higher than the national average. Republicans are making a play out west, Democrats are on defense, and the Senate races in those two states are neck and neck, George. And Rachel, what about abortion? Yeah, well, George, let's go back to our latest poll here. You can see that abortion does hey, rank third. 16% what of registered voters say that this is the most important issue to them. But even more All than that, that, you have the majority of Americans. A little over 60% of registered voters say that abortion should be legal in all or most cases. That serves as a sharp contrast to the restrictive abortion measures that we are seeing sweeping the state. Now, abortion will be on the ballot in five states this November. California, Michigan, and Vermont will be measures to protect access to abortion. Montana and Kentucky will be measures to restrict access, making this midterm election even more consequential, George. No question about that, Rachel Scott. Thanks very much. I think it's funny that... Folks, the problem is they thought, right now at 140, they thought that that would be the big issue. And and as a matter of fact, you've seen Governor McKee and also Seth Magaziner completely go into the fact that they think that is the voting issue. But it's not turning out that way. People are more concerned. That's also, I believe... 
part of that problem is the Democrat Party comes down to an echo chamber where you, you have to. That became the drumbeat. You saw it in the primary, and then you saw it, you're seeing it in the general. We're amongst the Democrat Party. You have to say that abortion is the most important issue, even though it's clearly not. That, that's how much they are willing to lose. They're willing to lose by saying that that's the biggest issue, without question. Um, let's see. Let me also, what's the other story? All right, things are very serious. You know, that's an interesting case, the Supreme Court with the affirmative action. That really has to do with the, um, oh good, that's the one I want. With uh, the situation at Harvard, where they, they basically, Harvard said we're not going to admit Asian students. We have too many Asian students that are acing and getting into Harvard. And so Harvard decided we're not going to allow this anymore, so we're going to start to discriminate against Asian students. Think about that. And so then they're not allowed. And then Harvard tried to say, you know, there's other things that come into play. Grades aren't everything. Blah, blah, blah. This other, you know, you, you want a well-rounded, you want a well-rounded individual. So maybe it's, it's not as important. So we're not going to let the uh, Asian students that are fantastic. So we're not going to let them, um, we're not going to allow them to come into Harvard. We have too many, I mean, that again, that's Harvard speaking. We have, um, we have too many Asian students. We have too many Asians. I mean, that's essentially what they're saying. Um, I want to get to, uh, let's see, let's hear. This is the full report regarding the situation with Paul Pelosi. I want you to hear how it was reported on the Today Show. And I believe we're still getting more details about this for speaker nancy pelosi and sources say he had a bag of zip ties with him at the time and he sees miguel almaguerz at the san francisco hospital where paul pelosi is recovering and in the icu this morning miguel good morning Savannah, good morning. A source with information on the, on, the, on the topic tells NBC News that Paul Pelosi does remain in the intensive care unit. As his son was seen leaving the hospital yesterday, he was asked how his father was doing, and he said, quote, doctors are carefully rebuilding him. It comes as we learn more information about the suspect, including some troubling posts online. This morning, the hammer-wielding intruder, who allegedly broke into the Pelosi home through a back door, facing attempted homicide charges after striking 82-year-old Paul Pelosi in the head. The House Speaker has been spending time at the hospital with her husband, who's recovering from life-threatening injuries. It happened early Friday morning when 42-year-old David DePap allegedly broke into Pelosi's San Francisco home. Sources saying he shouted, where is Nancy? Where is Nancy? He was looking for Mrs. Pelosi. But the Democratic leader was across the country in Washington, D.C. Instead, police say the suspect confronted her husband, who dialed 911. Are they stated that there's a male in the home and that he's going to wait for his wife? Are they stated they just know who the male is? Police credit the quick-thinking dispatcher who picked up on Pelosi's clues that he was in immediate danger and sent help within minutes. It was life-saving, in my opinion. Officers arriving at the scene amid what they describe as a struggle over the suspect's hammer. Police tackling to pap, but not before they say he fractured Pelosi's skull and seriously injured his arms and hands. Investigators later revealing they found zip ties inside the home. Pelosi undergoing surgery over the weekend. The speaker saying Saturday his condition continues to improve. The focus now turning to the suspect's digital footprint, a 
personal blog published under his name, brimming with far-right extremism, conspiracy theories like QAnon, and anti-Semitic postings. Democrats, including President Biden, sounding the alarm. You can't condemn the violence unless you condemn those people who continue to argue the election was not real. Republican lawmakers echoing concerns. And we've got to do everything we can to lower the rhetoric. A call for civility after a savage attack on the husband of the Speaker of the House. So disturbing, Miguel, and this comes amid a growing number of threats against members of Congress. I don't know. We're not getting the whole story here, folks. I mean, there's... there's and, and Elon Musk, all he said was that... Now, again, there could be more to the story. There could be more to the story. I don't... I, I'm not sure about Elon Musk and Twitter yet. I'm not sure about Elon Musk and Twitter yet because they're talking about I am a verified account and I have a blue check mark as do other people who you know who they are and they are a verified account. And Twitter is now talking about charging $20 a month to have it. I mean, I'm not <laughs> I'm not paying $20 a month to have a blue check mark. So it it benefits them and me for people to know that I'm verified. But I don't I mean I don't I don't know if in fact I don't know. I, I don't I don't think maybe maybe some companies do. I don't think that's well thought out. You want to start charging people for the for having that. I don't I'm not convinced that people want to do that. I want to just find um Elon Musk is catching a lot of fire for it I, I didn't view it that he was passing along a conspiracy. I viewed it as that you he was just floating out that Hillary Clinton and others went all in. But I'm seeing this. The Fox affiliate reported the attacker was only wearing underwear. That they're now saying they've issued a correction. But you're constantly hearing people say that. Paul Pelosi's 911 call reveals he knew the man. His name is David, described as a friend. In the beginning, he said he didn't know him, but later he confessed. I don't know what the... Let me let me hear this. He does say his name. Unless, did he say it? Let me, let me hear this. I think this is the 911 call. Hey, Prairie, 910 Broadway, across of Scott and Normandy. RP stated that there's a male in the home and that he's going to wait for his wife. RP stated that he doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David and that he is a friend. RP sounded somewhat confused. Control over back up. Phoenix code 3 to 2640 Broadway for 14 hours. Control over code 3 to 0 is code 3. Everyone's followed by the decision unit on scene 2640 Broadway. The, um, I mean, you hear it right there. He doesn't know him, and his name is David. I mean, you've heard that as clear as day, folks. So <laughs> it, it, the story is bizarre. Paul Pelosi is bizarre, by the way. If you type in, go to anywhere, go online and type in Paul Pelosi and then type in um, Elon Musk adds to the Twitter and certainly with a bizarre tweet about the Pelosi attacker. Donald Trump Jr. mocks Paul Pelosi hammer attack as homophobic. Seven theories about the attack on Paul Pelosi that are just wrong. Intruders 
seeking Speaker Pelosi attacked her husband with a hammer. Where's Nancy? What really happened to Paul Pelosi? Suspected attacker of Speaker Pelosi's husband dabbled in nude activism. Booked on attempted homicide. Listen, the guy is totally a nut, but the question is, how did he get in there? There are a lot of questions about it, I think. There are a lot of questions about it. And and I, I mean, none of it, it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Okay, so they don't have... Let me get this. Uh, who's Ben Collins spoke with? Senior reporter for NBC News. All right, I want to hear this. Um, the lies that were pushed were from bad pieces of information they found. For example, they said that uh, Paul Pelosi was uh, in his underwear. Of course, it was 2.30 in the morning at the time he was attacked. They, that led them to believe this was a lover's quarrel between two different people that knew each other. The reason they believed they knew each other is because the police put out a statement saying that they didn't really know who opened the door. So they, that led them to believe there was a third person in the house. Mm-hmm. So from there, there was this world building on the pro-Trump internet. What could be the opposite of reality here? And the opposite of reality they came up with was these two people were having a lover's quarrel in a house and the police sort of intruded on us. Fundamentally incorrect. It was pushed by the richest man in the world. And then yesterday, it was pushed by Donald Trump Jr., who posted a picture of underwear and a hammer instead of the Halloween costume for Paul Pelosi. If we don't cut this out right now, not just the normalization of violence, but the idea that reality can't even exist anymore because it cannot catch up to the lies on the Internet. I'm not a scholar on authoritarian history, but I've I've read Hannah Arendt. I've read all these people. Mm -hmm. This is how it gets really bad. This is the start of something that gets really, really bad. If you are getting the guardrails off the truth, where it literally cannot catch up to the lies on the internet because of how the pipes work, how the system works, because of the incentives of the richest people in the world. Uh, listen, the story is bizarre. And I, 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 I said, I don't think um, that, they, that anyone should be joking about the fact that he got hit with the hammer. That part, I don't. Um, let's see. But then there was this. The reporter on the hot mic phone with his boss. Hey, so is this the dude that's a former nudist dude? Yeah. Is it okay to say any of that? No. I did hear that as well. Hmm. Let me hear. This is the CBS report. This, this, San Francisco police said they were both holding hammers. An adult male. Hold on. When the officers arrive on scene, they encountered an adult male and Mr. Pelosi's husband, Paul. Our officers observed Mr. Pelosi and the suspect both holding a hammer. The suspect pulled the hammer away from Mr. Pelosi and violently assaulted him with it. Our officers immediately tackled the suspect, disarmed him, took him into custody, requested emergency backup. I, I mean, the authorities were saying there was a third person in the house. And now they're, they're saying it's because they they thought the third person opened the door. But, I mean, what, what is this? The Keystone Cops? You, you don't... How come... I, I agree with these comments. The third most powerful person in America doesn't have surveillance cameras. That, that doesn't stand to reason. There was a third person in the house. Who was the third person? The police arrived. Someone inside the home opened the door, but police didn't enter the house immediately. They stood outside and observed both Pelosi and DePepe struggling over a hammer. DePepe and Pelosi were in their underwear. <laughs> I mean, I... I I'm reading. This is right from the. This is right from the report. An unknown third person let them in. Who was the person? Fox reported the suspect was arrested in his underwear. But then I'm reading a printed report. 
Um, get a hammer in his bedroom. Windows have broken outward. Alarm was on. Police had to be let in. Nude guy is a known gay leftist prostitute. All right, I want to hear, um, I think they show, no, I think they show, um, yeah, let, let me just hear this for a moment. District Attorney Brooke Jenkins, in an interview with NBC News yesterday, she said that this individual has been interviewed by police, so it indicates that he is at least talking to them, which might help out figuring not only why he was there, what his specific motive was, but perhaps just as importantly, what he intended to do when he was there. Certainly anybody that brought a hammer and attempted to kill Paul Pelosi uh, is somebody that probably had some pretty violent intents if the speaker was there, but we're hopeful to get some more information about that. Uh, as you said, expected to be charged on state charges tomorrow. She also indicated that it's possible the federal authorities could move forward with charges uh, in a parallel investigation or a parallel case uh, as well sometime in the future. You know, there have been a lot of, uh, of the reports have indicated sort of how police got there and they witnessed the beating at the time. And there seems to be a hint that there was a third person in the house. You've got some new details on that as well, Tom. What can you tell us? Well, that's correct, Chuck. So it, the police chief came out and did a press conference later on Friday when, when most people had uh, uh, already started to go to bed on the East Coast. And, and in that press conference, uh, he stated that there was a third person inside the house that opened the door for police when they were called to that house. And that's when they saw the struggle over the hammer between uh, DePepe and Pelosi. And then DePepe, according to police, uh, struck Pelosi in the head with that hammer. You know, we've done an analysis on DePepe's social media and blog posts over the years both law enforcement our analysis kind of the same uh, in this regard that he had some fringe left-wing views some fringe right-wing views uh, but according to our own ben collins really over the last year or so chuck mm -hmm. this individual went to the alt-right far-right type ideology that we've seen talking QAnon, talking pizzagate and then just a lot of very right. anti-semitic postings yeah. and tom this attack happened and it was coincidental that dhs and other law enforcement agencies put out uh, a public warning of domestic political violence events in the next couple of weeks surrounding the election what more can you tell us about it yeah, they're clearly concerned about it, both the FBI, the DHS, and the National Counterterrorism Center. We can take a look at it. But essentially, they're saying, following the 2022 midterm elections, perceptions of election-related fraud or dissatisfaction could result in these heightened threats of violence against a broad range of targets, such as ideological opponents, so people that are on the other side of the aisle, if you will, uh, as well as election workers. To that point, in June of 2021, the Justice Department set up a Threats to Election Workers Task Force in the past year up until June of this year, they had a thousand types of threatening, harassing messages to people that work the polls. We're not talking about politics. This story is just bizarre. It just is. Folks, it's 159. Good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 .9 FM. This portion of the program brought to you by the Lodge Puppet Eatery. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. They'll have the World Series game on. They'll have the the uh, Monday Night Football game on, and you can pop in right now for lunch. The Lodge, Pominiary 40, Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Coming up, you're going to hear the 2 o'clock news. We'll be back tomorrow on the radio at 11. Facebook is later. Happy Halloween to one and all. WNRI Winsocket.